in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Washington football team's going to unveil its new name on February 2nd. So they'll have a new nickname. Um, we have seen this morning. Here's a tweet from Brendan Dar, who says 30 minutes before Washington put out a rest press release back in July saying they were dumping the nickname. They had registered the domain name Washington Commanders. Right. Exactly. But also this but, morning, if you go to WashingtonAdmirals.com, it redirects you to the Washington football, football team's team. website. So Admirals, well, wasn't the, commanders. The commanders were I'm trying to think what the uh, what the um, uh, importance was there. I, for, I forget there was a story in that. Do you remember, Jerry? Was there? Other than it just being like was. I DC thought there was. commander of the army. I don't know. Okay. I like it, the Admirals better, but. Yeah, probably. I think I do, too. I like the Admirals better. I think what's... Commanders. You know what's really funny with nicknames? When there's a new team, nickname or logo or anything like that, it usually gets a lot of hate simply because, like, oh. it's new or whatever. Golden Knights. Do you, we have so many bad nicknames that are just old, and we just sort of accept that, like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Like, nicknames and logos that are old, we just are like, oh, yeah, it's great because it's been around for years. Like, what the hell are the Green Bay Packers? If the if there was a new football team and they called themselves the Packers, we'd yeah. be looking around saying, "What? Yeah, you're the what now?" And they had the logo that's just a G and an oval. <laughs> we'd be like, "What?" <laughs> but because it's old, and because like, they've been good, right? We're like, "Oh, historic, of course, the Packers, of, of course." Like they're so like the Raiders are the same thing. The nickname Raiders is cool. The logo's not good. Right. The logo's just a busy mess. But because it's been around for so long, we're like. Oh. Of course it's a great logo. If that got introduced today, we'd be looking at it and say, what the hell's that? Who's this random guy? The best part about the Packers is genuinely they were a packing company. Yeah, the Acme, <laughs> Acme <laughs> Packing or whatever the hell they were. Yeah. If they did that today, we'd be like, the who? That would be the, the we are the Atlanta Amazons, yeah. and they're wearing like shorts and yeah. they're, they're the van. Yeah. Can you imagine as crazy as they are telling Raider fans the logo stinks and it's going to be changed? It's a bad logo and it should be changed. Oh, There's no doubt about it. He's wearing an eye patch and has an eye closed. Yeah. They should, like, in all seriousness, it should just be the swords in the background that you can't even see because they covered it up with that random dude's face. That's the coolest <laughs> thing in the logo is that dude is the swords, but they covered it up with some random white guy's face who's, like Jared said, has one eye closed and an eye patch on the other one. <laughs> he's blind. No wonder they can't make yeah. the playoffs. The guy's blind. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the Warriors are optimistic that Clay Thompson could return on Sunday. Warriors play the Cavs on Sunday. Uh, a final decision is expected later in the week. Clay Thompson has missed the last two seasons. He's had an Achilles and an ACL injury in that time. Warriors, even without Clay Thompson, though, 
28 wins, best in the NBA so far. So you love this team. You love how they play. What is your expectation of him? Because Kerr said he's going to return yeah. to the starting lineup, which implies he's going to be good to go. I would think if he's returning to the starting lineup, they think he's fine. So what's the expectation of him? Is it good or bad given they're the best team right now in the league? My guess is that he's going to come back and Clay Thompson is a good enough shooter that, hey, he can be a spot-up shooter that, you know, plays average to above average defense right away and but eventually like your hope is that clay thompson is a really good defender he's very good he's defender so like, very good defender if you're the warriors you're hoping that clay thompson eventually this year gets back to a point where he is like top-notch defender not in a spot-up shooter but also a guy that can move around a lot right. and shoot off the move and off the dribble and, and move the ball for a lot he's a good enough shooter or at least was a good enough shooter i assume that's not gone that if he's just a spot-up shooter for a month He's probably he's a, a net positive, and then you hope eventually he's back that. But I honestly don't know because we're again we're talking about coming back from not just ACL, major major injuries, but also Achilles, like two, two injuries, right? Probably the two injuries you don't want as a basketball player, right? Probably yes, the two I mean, the two major injuries of any basketball yeah. player, and he's coming back from both of those. Has yeah. not played basketball in two seasons, so I I don't know. But the the amazing thing about the the Warriors, like last night they played the Grizzlies, and and. Or no, they didn't play, excuse me, the Grizzlies played earlier and beat the Nets. But last night, they play the Heat, and, like, Steph Curry was terrible. I think Steph Curry was, like, one of ten from three-point range. But Jordan Poole right. was right. awesome. Andrew Wiggins right. was great. And, like, Otto Porter is in there checking in, playing big. Like, they're getting contrib- like great contributions from guys, and you're like, okay, like, Jordan Poole and... and Andrew Wiggins are going to be legitimate players on a on Do you a credit the system? Contender. Do you credit Steve Kerr? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because it's, again, when you play with Steph Curry, there's going to be a lot of a bill, uh, opportunity. Right. Yes. Because Steph Curry generates probably more attention than anybody right. else in the league. But, like, Curry was bad. Curry picked up two fouls early in the first quarter, went to the bench. Jordan Poole comes in, and they're running the same, like, screens yeah. for Jordan Poole that they run for Curry, and he's knocking them down. And so... It's amazing. It's it's incredible how good they've been. And you're telling me, oh, yeah. You're the, bringing back Clay Thompson. If they get back 75% of what Clay Thompson was before his injuries, how do they not win the title? Right. How do they not win it this year? Like, it's they're really good. Unless Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins just suddenly become Jordan Poole fall, and Andrew yeah, Wiggins. fall off a cliff. Like, I don't see how they don't win it if Clay Thompson is, is anything close to what he used to be. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. The Bucks did not release Antonio Brown on Monday. Um, according to Adam Schefter, they're working with the league about how to move ahead in this situation. Are they simply worried that if they release him, another team will claim him? And they Well, that's the cynical, probably true, factual NFL thing of doing it. Um, I Look, every time he does this stuff, and, and I know people talk about this. I wrote about it when he was with the Raiders. He obviously needs some help. I, I would I would like to think that Arians and that team are doing it for that reason, but it's the NFL. And, I mean, we, my wife asked me this last night. Would anyone sign him? And I said, yeah, because he's really good. Yeah. They'd sign him because he's really, really good. So I think probably you're right in that they're like, hold on here. We're almost to the playoffs. Do we want this guy playing against right. us? Or do we just – I mean, I don't think they'll play him again, but I, do, I don't think they would, right? I, I can't believe they're going to put him on the field. Or would they? Bruce Arians brings this guy back. I know. I mean, I don't think they'll put him on the field, but I'm not so sure they'll cut him either. Maybe it's the whole we're dealing with the league and we're going to help him out. We're going to give him the help he needs and all that to where they can keep him rostered. Now, again, I'm 
not going to say I'm intelligent enough to know in terms of the agent and what they can do and how do they get out of it and all that. But if I'm the Bucks, I don't want them going to another team, especially when I might play in the playoffs. I mean, the Chiefs just brought back Josh Gordon for the yeah. umpteenth time, yeah. even though yeah. he keeps getting – he can't stay sober. No. As long as you're talented. I mean, as long as you're good. The Cowboys brought in Greg Hardy. Yeah, as long as you're like. good. As long as you're good. Antonio Brown was at the Nets game last night against the Grizzlies. Did he have a shirt on? He did. He, have a, he had a jacket on, too. Oh, um, wow. He's clothed now. Do you think he got stranded in New York? Because the report was he was not on well, the team flight back to Tampa after they played the Jets. Well, did you see the clip Uber. of him on Twitter in the Uber or in the car? Did you see that? No. What He was congratulating Ben Roethlisberger on his career and how he was an incredible quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks he's ever played. But he was in the passenger seat and filming, I guess, him, himself. He was looking at a camera, so I don't know if he was holding the camera out or someone was actually outside the car filming him. It could have been an Uber. Probably was. I have no idea what the, who was How driving that he car. getting around New York? Yeah. Maybe he was stranded. Maybe he says, I'll stay here. Next question. The Grizzlies beat the Nets 118-104 last night. John Moran had 36 points on 14 of 22 shooting. That is unbelievably yeah. efficient. The Grizzlies are 24-14 and 14 and fourth in the West. I think I know how you're going to answer this because of John Morant, but who would you rather see play on a given night if you have to watch a game, the Bulls or the, or the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies. Me too. 100%. Just because of him. I Okay. Although I think the Bulls are pretty good. I am fascinated, and I don't know the answer to this question. We won't know the answer to this question for a few years, but is John Morant going to be good enough to be the best player on a team that wins a title or at least oh. contends for a title because he has been he's very good this player, year. Yeah. I just don't know if, I just don't know if he's going to end up being a player where it's like, Hey, he's really good, but he's like the 12th best player in the league. You need somebody that's right. better than him to actually win the title. I feel like that's where we'll get. I feel like it's um, almost a Damian Lillard situation where if you build a really good team around him, right? Oh, you can be fourth in the West and fourth get to the seed in the West. You right. can win a playoff series. You right. you might scare the one seed. You might beat the one seed, but you're probably not winning four playoff right. series and a title. That's where I feel like John Morant ends up, unless you know Damian Lillard stayed in Portland. Aside, John Morant could leave Memphis and be the second best player somewhere and win a title, obviously. But I'm just curious to see because he's he's really he's good. Really good. I just don't know if he's ever going to be that. Hey, this is one of the five best players. He's going to be the reason you. And win he can a title. carry you to a title right now got a little Derek Carr in him. We did just see, well, yeah. top 15. He's fourth in the title. West, not fighting well, I mean, for the last playoff you know, I'm spot. I'm saying more, like you said, top 12, top 15. Yeah. Can he bring you to the title? The other the other part, though, is we did just see the Suns go to the finals, and like Devin Booker's in that same category, where he's yeah. good, but Devin Booker's not like, hey, that's one of the top five, six players. Right. You're obviously winning it. You, you obviously have a title chance with Devin Booker, but the Suns just got there. They didn't win it, but they just got there. I wonder if there's a path for the Grizzlies like that, where you can, hey, bring in a, you know, somebody who's like Chris Paul, who can be the right. second best player, better, whatever exactly. it is, and that's enough to get you close. Maybe not win it, but get you close. I, there's a path. You don't have to. It helps a lot, but you don't have to have a top five player to win a title. Oh you, no, you can get there if you don't have a top five player. And I wonder if John Morant and the Grizzlies can ever pull that off. Man, you know that's a great question. The Titans could open Derrick Henry's practice return window this week. That would set him up for a return for the playoffs. The Titans, though, they get the one seed in the AFC with a win over Houston. Oh, Raiders. So they're probably going to get the one seed. Uh, 
Do you believe the Titans are good? I don't think the Titans can win it. I think the Chiefs are better. I think when they're playing better, the Bengals are better. Um, I'm not so sure. This will sound crazy to a lot of people. I think the Bills are better. Uh, Patriots on a given day. So, no, I didn't think they're the one seed. Although, it would be, if you're asking who the Raiders have a better chance at if they're the seventh seed, going to Nashville or Kansas City, then they're going to have a better chance going to Nashville. Well, they probably won't play. The, t- the Titans are going to buy if they beat the Texans. Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, so they don't have a chance. Right. So, <laughs> on the Titans. You ended that really yes. quickly. On the Titans. They're, to me, they're probably the fifth best team in the AFC. I think all the four teams you mentioned are, are, better. are better than the Titans. But most likely they're going to have home field advantage because they're probably going to beat the They did lose the Texans this year already, but they're probably going to beat the Texans. I don't think there's a big enough gap between Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, New England, and Tennessee that the Titans at home can't overcome that. Like I don't, and, and win the AFC? Right. Like I, don't th- like I, I think those four teams are better. But I think just a little bit better than Tennessee. Okay. Like I don't think they're significantly better. And if you tell me, hey, Tennessee's got two home games because they're the one seat. Like if they get whatever Cincinnati in their first game in Tennessee, like yes, I think Cincinnati's better, but just a little bit. So you tell me Tennessee can beat Cincinnati and then Kansas City in their two games to get like I absolutely believe that can happen. I don't know how good Derrick Henry is going to come back. I don't. I don't think I mean, it's. I, I mean, I yes, it matters, but I don't think it's that big. I don't of a think deal. it's that big a deal. I don't think he could be 100. percent I think even 80 percent Derrick Henry. I think you're fine. Like they've run the ball just fine without Derrick Henry. Like they've had perfectly great or fine running success without Derrick Henry, right? So I don't think it's a huge deal if Derrick Henry comes back 100 percent or not. They can still win these games, but again, I think they're the fifth best team. I agree. Coming up next, the Las Vegas Aces. They're hiring Becky Hammond as the coach, and guess what? She doesn't see the WNBA as a step back from the NBA. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff score Tyler. Ed, this is the most optimistic I've ever been that the Aces can win a title. I already know why. By Even the way. more than I've when they were won. actually in the WNBA yes. finals. I already I'm more know optimistic why. now because. They're not going to be playing 1980s, throw it into yeah. the post, every possession basketball. Uh, right when I Hopefully. said saw that she said threes, it was like, oh, oh. they're going to be your favorite team. Here's, here's the quote. We have some really good pieces in place, so it's about adding new pieces that will fit my style of play. We'll probably shoot a few more threes, to be honest, run up and down a bit more. The type of player I want is a competitive one. Now, first off, run up and down a bit more. I think the Aces have led the WNBA in tempo like three straight years. Like, Lambeer ran. Like, they were pushing it up and down. They were just running up the floor, dumping it into the post right. and saying, hey, go, go score. Um, here's, what's cur- here's what I'm curious about. And this is probably unfair to Becky Hammond because she's an assistant coach. But the Spurs, for a couple of years in a row now, have been one of the leaders in the NBA in mid-range jumpers and bottom in terms of shooting threes. Like, the Spurs have not been shooting threes these last few years. So, like, again, that's probably unfair for Becky Hammond because that's Greg Popovich's Popovich's team. And that's the roster construction, which has not been great. But what the Spurs have done does not indicate that the Aces are going to shoot more threes. But she says they're going to shoot more. Also, not hard to shoot more than six a game, which is basically what the Aces have been shooting recently. But I'm excited. So I'm also very curious how this actually ends up playing out because Becky Hammond staying on as a Spurs assistant coach through the end of the regular season. Their regular season is going to end before the Aces regular season begins. 
right? So she'll be here before the season starts. But free agency in the offseason is, is going to happen before Becky Hammond is actually here. Now, I assume, hey, she can pick up the phone and say, talk to people. Hey, Lambeer. Right. But Bill Lambeer is apparently going to be a part of the organization at least through the offseason and be a part of roster construction. I'm fascinated to see what that means. Because I have well, no idea what that means. No, but if she wants to play a certain way, I'd love to know if they're going to clash in terms of roster construction. Right. And that's, and again, the question that I don't know, what happens to Bill Lambeer? Because all the aces, when the aces announced Becky Hammond, all they said was Lambeer will be a part of the organization for the near future. Potentially he's going to stay on. Potentially Lambeer's a part of this team for the entire year or longer. Or potentially... Gets him through the offseason. Becky Hammond shows up and Bill Lambeer says, see ya. Headed I'm going to, to my farm in Michigan, right? I I don't know. Because if you're Lambeer, because here's the thing. If you're Lambeer and you're just sort of holding it over and when Becky gets here, you're done, you're just going to do what Becky Hammond wants. Right, exactly. I, I yeah. mean, that's if she wants like, a certain player, you're going to take right. a certain player. But if he's planning to be here, then he might be like, listen, these threes are bad. We need more <laughs> post players. Why, why are we shooting so much? <laughs> so I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. But I am, here's the thing. Asia Wilson is awesome, right? You can build, and they, they've done it, but you can build a championship team around Asia Wilson for years to come. I think the roster construction has failed Asia Wilson the last couple of years. And how they've played. Right. I do not think they have maximized what they could have been doing offensively with, the, with Asia Wilson conceivably that changes conceivably it gets a lot better in the future. And they've got a lot of cap space in the WNBA because they only have five players under contract. Right. Asia Wilson's a restricted free agent. So it'll be six fairly soon, but they can go out and sign big name free agents. Like Brianna Stewart's a free agent. Give her the max, whatever she wants. Brianna's go in for duty UFA. Go. Yeah. Go in for WNBA titles, 27 years old, unrestricted free agent. Give her whatever she wants. Right. Bring her play Asia Wilson at the five, right. Brianna Stewart at the four, go go win four straight at WNBA titles. Oh, I did not know she was a free yep. agent, but that's an easy decision. Yeah. That's an easy. And why look, I I don't I don't know what she's thinking, but why wouldn't she want to come here? I don't, yeah. You get us Asia Wilson, yeah, Becky Hammond is the coach. Unless you don't like somebody, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Unless there's like, oh uh, played the, played against Asia Wilson. Uh, I hate her. I I mean, unless you don't like I somebody. Past, yeah. I ran past that Kelsey Plum person. <laughs> I don't know about her. I don't know about her. <laughs> she won that three-on-three three gold medal. Yeah. That's not a real gold medal. So, yeah, I again, I everything we've heard is people love the Las Vegas Aces and the way they treat players and the way the yeah. organizations run. So, I don't know. I mean, there could be a reason. She might, she might be a foregone conclusion. She's staying in Seattle or something. I don't know. I but. think Mark Davis met Becky Hammond at the... Uh, at the Jersey, what was it? They honored the, the past. They, they, they retired they, they, of Jersey. They, they yeah. retired of Jersey and decided right then she was his coach. Might have. I, I mean, think the, he, I think he did this. The way the way the whole John Gruden's story came out about how he had been chasing him for like right. five years right. and had this tried to get him a to bunch. That. It does not, not five years, but, but it does have a lot of that. Like, hey, that's the yes. coach I want. I'm and chasing she's impressive that coach, and I'm going to chase her until I get her. Right. right. It absolutely does. It, right feels that way. Hopefully, Becky Hammond works out better than John Gruden did. I'd like to know the conversation between Davis and Lambeer. Right. I, I, I'd fascinated. Love, I would have loved for because I do believe Davis initiated this. I want to know that when he what he had to tell Lambeer because when he first bought the team, it was like, oh, I love the bad boy. You know, I love the Lakers and bad boys. I remember that and Bill Lambeer and he was just praising Bill Lambeer up and down all around. But, you know, maybe he saw a season and 
you know, thought and met her. And, and the other thing is, who knows what she said to him? We don't know what she said right. to him. Maybe she hadn't an idea. It's like, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind going to Vegas and being your head coach. One of the interesting things Becky Hammond said yesterday is that she was not considering moving down to be a W and I say down, but moving to be a WNBA head coach, right? That was not on her radar until Nikki Fargus, the president of the aces and Mark Davis talked to her. And then once she talked to him, she's like, huh, that could be fun, right? Like, so she was not considering it. So whatever Mark Davis and Nikki Fargus said to her worked, it might've just been, Hey, here's a five-year contractor, the highest paid coach of the WNBA. And she said, okay, you I'll said, take that. You said before, you don't believe she can jump back now. She wins three straight NBA, t- excuse me. She wins three straight WNBA titles. The Pacers job comes open. Is she ever considered? It hasn't happened before, I think is the main thing there. I think that's like, nobody's gone WNBA coach to NBA coach. That's not, that's not a path that we've seen right. the NBA take. Now, they could change that. Absolutely could change that uh, in the future. It just, it would appear as though, like, if if her path, if we're still talking about her as an NBA head coach, it would still appear as though her path is going to, again, to be an assistant, assistant coach, coach in the point. NBA. Yeah. Right. That she is, okay, WNBA head coach. Oh, now you're an assistant head coach. And at some point, you might get that call up. But, again, things change. It absolutely could happen. She could win three straight here, and the Pacers or somebody could right. say, we want yeah, that we yeah. think that'll work and she has some NBA experience, but it's just it's something that hasn't happened before. We haven't seen WNBA head coach has a lot of success and an NBA team comes in and says, We want that. Right. We that we think that'll yeah. translate. We just haven't seen it. So that might change in four or five years. It might. If she has enough success too and and a job, you know, the Pacers is a funny one because you'd say, Yeah, Pacers can't land big name players because nobody wants to play in Indiana and they never draft in the top right. five. But hey, we got Becky Hammond, right. so pay attention to us. Not that it might, might be one that it does. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts and check out his work at For the Win. Uh, good morning. How do you think Antonio Brown's, uh, is his career over now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I mean, isn't he still technically a member of the Buccaneers? Yes. Uh, I mean, Justina Anderson just put out a report that said uh, uh, if he wants a job, then he'll have one. Uh, I still think that he'll probably get cut by the Bucks at some point uh, this week. Uh, but, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't think that this is, like, the worst thing that he's done in the past few years. So um, I, if he can come back from, you know, some of the stuff he's accused of doing with his trainer, then I – I don't see why this would be too far. I think the Bucks are just kind of embarrassed and uh, and they've had enough. But you know, I don't remember. I forget what show it's from, but there's this meme uh, where it's like, did it work out for them? No, it didn't work out for them. It never does, but it might work out for us. And that's what the next team is going to be saying to themselves uh, when they think about signing Antonio Brown, which to me is just frankly uh, ludicrous because. He just seems to be a ticking time bomb that needs help that football can't provide him. Baker Mayfield last night. Uh, should that be the last time he starts a game for the Browns? Yeah. Um, and I think that Baker kind of messed up here. Like he, uh, he put himself in a situation like where he's going to lose a ton of money. Uh, and I, I don't really understand why. You know, I, I get that he has this 
persona that he feels like he needs to keep up where, you know, he's a tough guy leader and everything. But clearly something's wrong with him, uh, whether it's a shoulder or something else, because I think the thing with Baker that people are starting to forget is that he hasn't always been this bad. Like, this is kind of uh, unprecedented territory for him in terms of uh, the production that he's putting out and how bad he's playing. Like, I think that this is quite easily the worst football of his career, even, like, including the first few games of this rookie year where he didn't really uh, do all that much to hit the ground running. So I am just kind of baffled that he has put himself in this situation now. You know, he's going to try to recoup on that by saying in the last week that he might need surgery instead of the last game. But uh, I think it's just too little too late. Uh, you know, the way that he and the Browns have gone about this is kind of bizarre. Um Clearly, I think, I think Baker has way too much power within that organization for someone who has not produced uh, all that much on the field. And I think it, it might be best for me to split ways. But, but the, you know, the question is, for a team that is already pretty much built up, like, what do you do next here? Uh, and that's a question that the Browns have to ask themselves. And uh, I, I don't think that that's an easy answer to solve because when you start looking at the the quarterback landscape, whether it's the draft or free agency, it's not like there's a whole lot of options out there, you know? We talked about before you came on about the Titans, if they get the one seed, and we came up with four teams uh, that we thought were better. But are they good enough to win two at home? I mean, are, are, can they actually win two at home? We don't know what Derrick Henry is going to look like if they actually bring him back. Um, but we thought there were better teams in, in the AFC, and yet they're going to probably get home field. Yeah, uh no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that they're good enough uh, to win two or really even one. Uh, I I just kind of think that this Titans team is not very good. And, you know, credit to them for, you know, kind of sticking through the season and winning games. Uh, it's really like figuring things out as players were hurt. But, you know, when you look at the rest of the field in the AFC, like this is this is not like the this, – this isn't uh, – a situation where you have number one seed where they're just totally better than everyone else. Uh, you know, obviously they beat Kansas City uh, earlier this season, but that would be a tough matchup in the playoffs. Cincinnati would certainly be a tough matchup. Buffalo, New England, uh, if the Chargers and Colts make it in, like I don't think that they should be guaranteed to win any of those games. And in some of those games, they might not even be favorites since they move forward. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this Titans season is interesting because. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have to give credit to Mike Vrabel and some to Ryan Tannehill too for kind of being able to keep this thing afloat while you know, you just have so many pieces just coming in and out throughout the season. The offensive line, wide receiver, AJ Brown, Julio. Now you have Bonta Foreman playing well uh, in replacement of Derrick Henry. So you know, I, I think that you know you should be proud of the job that you did this season. But it just kind of seems like they're facing too big of an uphill battle to really you know go on a run here and make the playoffs. But Next year, hey, you should, you should be pretty excited for your Titans fans because if they can do this with a pretty banged-up squad, then you know maybe they are for real and they can uh, go on the real run next season. I noticed you didn't say you'd think the Raiders would be one of the AFC playoff teams that could beat the Titans. Uh, well, honestly, for a second, I thought they had gotten eliminated, but then I remember that they were uh, still alive. So, you know, if they, can, uh, hey, if they can get past the Chargers on Sunday... Maybe they can go up, up and beat the, the Titans, but you know I, I'm a little I, I'm a little questionable about you know the one man Derek Carr Hunter or two man Derek Carr Hunter Renfro playoff fever dream team. So <laughs> I I I, I kind of 
tend to go the Titans in that scenario. Okay, you are a Falcons fan, and you call them frauds for winning. What do they have, seven wins this year? Um, so I feel yeah. like you should be an expert at identifying this Raiders team. They've got nine wins. Are they a fraud nine-win team? Um, not in the same way as the Falcons are, because quite frankly, I think that this Falcons team is like <laughs> the least talented Falcons team of Matt Ryan. Like you, you, you look at like their point differential; they're just as bad as like the Lions and, and teams in that area. And somehow they have uh, seven wins. So you know, I, I I don't think that the Raiders are fraudulent. Uh, to me, it doesn't really seem fair. It's like to with what they've gone through this year. Uh, to, to call it fraudulent, like I think that to me it's kind of more inspiring that they were able to get this far because I would have quit. Uh, like, I'm not going to fire through all this stuff. Like, I'm not, that, not that brave. I'm not God's toughest soldier, so you know that's not for me. But they they have made it here, uh, and they're finally, you know, I I think this is kind of cool for Derek Carr because you know you, you finally get to see him like really put a team on his back when it needs him. And I think that he's played well, so. I wouldn't call this fraudulent. I would just say, good for you guys. You stuck it out. You made it this far. And I think that you should be proud of the resilience. You know, uh, the Falcons there, 7-8, and eight, and they have a minus 136-point differential. You know, they should be picking top five. You know, you're not, you're not quite that bad. It's an interesting word because a lot of people sh- think they should be given credit for all the nonsense off the field. Uh, well, I mean, the, the, players, like, the players who are going like, by the book and still doing things right, uh, and the coaches who aren't, you know, getting in trouble with their emails. Like, I think that you should feel pretty proud of what you've accomplished this year in the midst of a, a lot of turmoil, a lot of turmoil and chaos, more than most teams go through in, like, a decade. And you did that in the span of a few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I was a Raiders fan, I would be, I would be, you know, content with this season, how, how it turned out after how we started. Uh, you wrote about the 49ers, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on Jimmy G versus Trey Lance and the idea of, hey, which one gives you the best chance to win in the playoffs right now? And regardless of that, should they play Trey Lance simply to see what he is to help them figure out what to do in the offseason at the quarterback position? Uh, I think that they should. I don't think that they will. Uh, you know, I kind of see both sides of it. You know, if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and like, you've literally gotten to the end of the season and you basically held on to this leave all season. You didn't succumb like uh, other teams have in the past where, you know, because every, every team like, when they draft a rookie quarterback, they say, oh, he's not going to play this year. Wink. And uh, they end up playing like pretty soon. But credit to the 49ers, like they've stuck by their plans. And, you know, I don't really see why that would change now. Uh, personally, I would be pretty interested to see what he could do. Maybe we can catch a team off guard in the playoffs because there just aren't that many snaps of Trey Lance on film. But, uh, you know, if you're going to come back in and Jimmy G gets healthy. Uh, I mean, he's been the guy all season. It kind of makes sense to just roll with him for uh, one last playoff run, and then you ship him off to Carolina in the offseason. He gets to go play with Matt Rule for a year. Which team has the best chance to go into Lambeau and win? You said win the Lambeau? Yeah, to, to go uh, in there and knock them off. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you said win the Lambeau, like win the Lombardi by accident. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I still think it's Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh you haven't released Antonio Brown for now. Uh, and also, you, you have to remember that every day when Tom Brady wakes up, he mixes in four-leaf clovers into his cereal, <laughs> and then he kisses all the rabbit feet that he sleeps on to start his day. 
you have to remember this is the luckiest player that's ever played football in you know the history of the world, and, and not even football, just any sport ever. And I, I'm not just saying that as a salty Falcons fan who, who watched that game, or you know someone who's watched Tom Brady just kind of happen to be lucky in all the right moments, but you you, you just can't count this team out. The defense is still really good. Tom's going to figure out some magical way to get to the NFC Championship game, and then uh, you know I'm kind of rooting for uh, Packers to lose the most painful way possible. And I think that. Getting a lost Tom Brady again in the NFC Championship game with a worse team than he had last year would be Max Payne. So that's what I'm rooting for. All right. Are you more likely to cancel with us next Tuesday if Georgia wins or loses the national championship? <laughs> uh, wins, because I'll be so hungover out of Victoria <laughs> at my physical. <laughs> you feeling good about it or you feeling bad about it? Oh, I feel awful about it. Uh, I don't think that they're going to win at all. I'm baffled that they're favored uh, yet again. You know, I, unless Jameson Williamson got got kidnapped, I don't really see <laughs> what supposed to change here. I know that Mechie is out, but you know, Jameson Williams he was literally running past the entire defense all by himself. So they don't need Mechie to score touchdowns. So uh, we'll see. I mean, dude, I'm a I'm a Falcons and Bulldogs fan, so I, I can't get my hopes up in the postseason anymore. If they get it done, great, but I'm, I'm betting on Alabama because I need to come out of that game with something, either a championship or money. So, How do you not have faith in a man named Stetson? <laughs> have you seen him? He looks like he should be doing my... <laughs> Charles McDonald <laughs> at Four Verts on Twitter from For the Win. Charles, as always, thank you Thanks, so much Charles. for joining thank you. us. All right, later. <laughs> so, genuinely, Stetson is a top ten quarterback name. Stetson, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Chuba Purdy, Brock Purdy's brother is. Chuba, oh, is it yeah. Chuba or is it Chuba? I can't remember. Chuba, Chuba Purdy. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a very good one. General Booty, he's a junior college quarterback somewhere. Yeah, we wanted yeah. him to transfer to UNLV. Yeah, get him in the mix. It's a terrific name, General. Booty. Then they'd have somewhere. a punter named Butts and a quarterback <laughs> named Booty. That would be very good. That would be very good. All right, coming up next, Ed thinks everybody's soft. Rice thinks about the three, dribbles and almost lost it. Collects it on the right side, out to McCabe. Catch and shoot three by Jordan is good. Jordan McCabe answers. Rebels cut the lead back to one. 44-43. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Coming up next hour, we are going to have Golden Knights tickets to give away. They will play the Chicago Blackhawks and presumably Marc-Andre Fleury, who is back off the COVID list uh, this weekend. And we got tickets to go see that. Now, y- yesterday when we talked to you, Ed, um, we only asked you about the Raiders, and you seemed disappointed that we didn't ask you about UNLV basketball. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm giving you the, the I, floor is yours. Right. You may yell about UNLV basketball. All right. First of all, they screwed up my hot take because I had them winning. So I'm mad at them for oh, that. Oh, yes. Do you remember That's that? right. You I, did. You had San Diego State. I had UNLV. You, they should have won, too. Uh, you, yeah, they should have won. But the most one of the worst offenses I've seen all year <laughs> in San Diego State, and you and I were talking on the phone the other day, and you literally said... San Diego State's offense was you throw it near the rim and someone and Mensa just goes and gets a rebound and dunks. <laughs> Miss a shot. Yeah. Get the rebound. Yes. Later. But the one thing Kevin Kruger said to me the day before the game was 
They have to compete. They have to be tough. They have to be physical. You know, you have to match their intensity because that's what San Diego State, for, for years you heard, well, UNLV couldn't beat them because San Diego State had kind of these long athletic kids, you know, men bodies. They were just different. You looked at them. You looked at UNLV. I'm like, yeah, that team's different. They just look different. I don't think that's the case as much anymore. But if you're going to beat that team, you have to be so much tougher than UNLV was. And they just got destroyed on the boards, and that was really disappointing to me. I mean, they just weren't physical enough. You have to, if you're going to beat San Diego State, man, you have to match their intensity because they're going to defend. You can't play at that school if you can't defend. And I just thought I was really disappointed. And look, neither team's good offensively, but I was really, really disappointed in how they just got beat up on the boards when that's the one thing their coach said the day before, hey, you got to compete for 40 minutes. You can't let up on these guys. If and, and Kevin Kruger had the quote, if we don't, we have no chance. Well, they didn't. They had no chance. I mean, it was close, and they had a chance, but you know what I mean. I just was really disappointed in that. It was fascinating that they got beat so bad rebounding, especially giving up offensive rebounds. Yeah. Because San Diego State's not they're, – they're not even top 100 in offensive rebounding this year. Like, San Diego State's not like some – Dominant Massive offensive, offensive rebounding, rebounding force. Yeah. Like they're they're fine. They're above average. But like UNLV's played teams that are better offensive rebounding than San Diego State's. So that's like it's fascinating that they got beat that badly because it was at one point San Diego State had missed twenty six shots and had gotten thirteen offensive rebounds. <laughs> like they were getting half of their own misses <laughs> at one point in that game. UNLV second half was much better rebounding, but first half they were getting crushed on that end. I don't know if you're aware of this, but San Diego State offensively. So, all right, first off, Ken Palm, all their offense and defensive rankings are strength of schedule adjusted. So if you play a difficult schedule, you're going to get a Duke, you're going to get better numbers. Right. If you just take raw numbers, so not adjusted for strength of schedule, San Diego State has the second least efficient offense in the Mountain West. Only Air Force has a less efficient offense. They're awful. Terrible offense. They are awful. Awful on offense. Like they're really bad. And then you don't have they don't have two starting guards in that game. Oh, we forgot that. They didn't have the top two. Which makes them even worse. But that team is that team is very, very bad offensively. They've played a fairly difficult schedule. Nothing like blow you away difficult, but it's been relatively fine. So like some of that's and they're probably they're not going to be the second worst offensive team in conference play, but that's probably, I mean, we're probably into this season looking at San Diego State as like the seventh best offensive team in Mountain West play. And probably second in the league. Yeah, because <laughs> their defense is so good. But like that team's bad on offense. All UNLV had to do was be average. Well, not even average, average on below offense. average. If they're below average, like they scored 0.8 points per possession that game. Their worst of the season by, by far, their worst offensive game of the season. If they're just a below average, they win that game. And you meant the toughness part where I thought was maybe even more interesting than rebounding UNLV in the first half got to the paint and got to the rim much better than I thought they were. I thought they were going to struggle getting there, but they got there in the first half. Couldn't finish. They were four of 14 on shots within five feet in the first half. That's, that's horrible. Like that's awful. They couldn't finish. And that's, I don't know if that's a, toughness thing where you get in the paint and I don't know, maybe they're, they're physical and they're fouling you, but they don't call right. it because you're near the basket and they never call it or whatever. Like they just couldn't finish. If they finish some layups, they in finish that game, half of those. They win. They win the like, game. They win that game, but they couldn't do it. Like there's that, those, there's three things to me. They shot really poorly from three again. They couldn't finish at the rim and they gave up so many offensive yeah. rebounds. Like 
any one of that's those three things. That's a game they should have won. Yeah, any, they correct. They should have won that game. They correct just one of those three. I think Not even all three. I don't know what you think, but I think they've caught up athletically in length and oh, all of that. Well, and that's the one thing Kruger tried to do. And right, I, to I think catch up to a team like that, and he did that. that. They just don't have the skill to actually make shots and win a game like that.